book by book. That's where we are at the moment in the book of Philippians. And uh, we're doing some Bible studies together here in lovely California. We are in uh, Westminster Presbyterian Church in Westlake here in beautiful Agoura Hills. I'm Richard Buse and I'm joined here by my, my colleague from the UK, Paul Blackham, and then by, uh, I think we must call you a celebrity, Johnny oh, Erickson Tyler. I am not a celebrity, <laughs> we, We're all stars for the Lord Jesus, well, shining for him. <laughs> you're certainly a beloved friend to millions of people all over the world who look to you for, and have looked to you for inspiration together with your wonderful team at Johnny and Friends, who of course you're based here in Agoura Hills, aren't you? Yes, we are, but we have an office in the United Kingdom. Our work there is. is through the roof, so we get around. You get around on every continent, and it is very, very inspiring. Now, for a bit of Bible study, which is our best thing. And we're in Philippians, of course, and we've had one uh, uh, study already in chapter 1, and we're still in chapter 1, actually. And as we come to verses 12 to 30, shall we do? Mm -hmm. I better just read a few verses as we're taking up this theme of living as a citizen worthy of the gospel of Christ. Verse 19, let's have a look. For I know that through your prayers, writes Paul, and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Hey, that's one of these amazing memory verses that many people love to get hold of and think, hey, I must make that one of my mottos too, if I can. And uh, Paul, as we look at this passage, I'll start with you, Paul Blackham. Uh, when Paul speaks about what has happened there, um, he actually speaks about the progress of the gospel. Why? I think he does that. I, he begins, I, I want you to know. Now, they're obviously very concerned about him. We know they sent money and messages and help, people to help. They're really concerned about him. I want you to know. Now, one of the great um, commentators from the early centuries of the church, St. Chrysostom, says, look, he's so anxious for them to be reassured about how he's doing. Now, we can imagine, he's in prison. Uh, we, and there's concern, how are you doing? Well, I imagine I'd be like, yeah, I'm not so bad. Prison's, prison life's not as bad as I thought it'd be. My bed's a bit uncomfortable, but, you know, made us some friends. Food's awful. Food's <laughs> awful. You know, I would have just give, talked like yeah. that. Don't worry, I'm holding up, sort of thing. Whereas for Paul, how are you doing, Paul? Yeah. I'll tell you how the gospel's doing. The gospel's doing really well. Uh, every, I've told the guards about Jesus, and all the guards know, and the whole place is, is the, the topic of conversation is Jesus. No, I know that, Paul, but how are you doing? Oh, yeah, the gospel, it's doing wonderfully. <laughs> because for Paul, his whole life is just tied up with the gospel. He doesn't have a personal agenda, and he, he really knows that what is he on the earth for? to advance the gospel, to bring glory to Jesus. So for him, that is how his life's doing. Mm. If the gospel's advancing, he's doing well. I, I, I love that about Paul. All the arrows are pointing outwards from yeah. him, not inwards. Poor me, but outwards. And that is terrific, even in prison. Yeah. John Erickson, uh, Tada, uh, when we think about the sufferings of Paul, not, I mean, not everybody understands them. In fact, it even seems to make some people turn a bit against him. Um, but he doesn't take any of this personally. What seems to, well, what fills Paul's vision? I think that's what we must ask ourselves. 
What fills his vision that frees him from all sense of you know, personal concern? Well, like, like has been said, he, he, he was so focused on the advancement of the gospel. It wasn't about him. It was about the good news of Jesus Christ going forth. So if people slandered him, if other relig religious leaders were jealous of him, if they belittled him, if they misunderstood him, that didn't matter. What mattered was that they were preaching, some out of jealousy, yes, some out of competition. Yeah, yeah. The motive wasn't the point. The point was, as Paul has said, the gospel was going forth. And there were even some who said, you're in prison, so God must be displeased with you. Your suffering is somehow connected with, with, with sin or, or in your life. And I think all of us may have experienced that. We sometimes even wonder if when we are going through affliction, if God is displeased with us. But no matter there, the important thing is that we live for Christ, we do things for an eye to his glory, and the gospel goes forth. It's not about us, it's about the good news being extended. Maybe that's also good news, do you think, for people who do suffer and perhaps are in wheelchairs, and they wonder why people don't always understand or aren't always helpful or, you know, tactful or loving in their attitudes that they could be so misunderstood. Well, people can misunderstand perhaps why uh, uh, I might be in a wheelchair. I know I've had some say that uh, I have a lack of faith or maybe my parents did something wrong or were not regular church attenders. Yeah. No matter what I know is that the good news of Jesus Christ motivates me, drives me, gives me energy, gives me enthusiasm, and I draw my inspiration from, from this chapter in Philippians. It's brimming with uh, help and uh, with inspiration. So it, it's easy to say, I think, for, you know, for us that we love the Apostle Paul. Uh, why might it have been? Yeah. Could it have been difficult to get on with the Apostle Paul, do you think? Well, I think what it is, is, is that <laughs> today people go, oh yeah, the Apostle Paul, you can't disagree with the Apostle Paul, yeah. you know, he's great and all this sort of thing. At the time, it was obviously more difficult because I suppose now people can live a sort of, uh, Christians might say, oh yeah, I like the Apostle Paul, yeah, he, he has lots of good things to say. But then their lives, you know, they might be quite compromised, they don't share the gospel, you know, they're not, they're not passionate for Jesus, and it's just words. And it's easy to say, oh yeah, the Apostle Paul's good. At the time, you couldn't do that, because if he pays a visit, he's not going to be interested whether a person says they like him. He's like saying, well, hang on a minute, you're not, you're not witnessing for Jesus. You're, uh, you're, 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 because he actually says, oh, everybody looks after their own interests. Well, he'll be like that. He'd look, he'd look, examine the church closely. You, you, there's division here. There's no gospel focus. Everyone's after their own interests. So, you know, if Paul arrived in the church, at, because he loves Christ and he loves the church so much, he'd be sorting the problems out and he'd be shining the light of truth there. And people would be like, oh, I'm not actually quite sure if I like Paul. Um, <laughs> Maybe he should go somewhere else. This is too uncomfortable because Paul would be chasing people out of their comfort zones, saying, look, serve Christ, lay down your life for him. His day's coming. It's not long like that. So I think at the time I can understand why he might have been a difficult character. Mm. You know, this reminds me that someone uh, 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 once came to Bill Bright, head of Campus Crusade for Christ, and this individual was a staff member of the organization, and he was frustrated with his work. He wasn't happy. He was having problems with his staff, his family. It just was, was all befuddled. And the question Bill Bright asked him was, when was the last time you led somebody to Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. 
So I think that was the motive that Paul was getting at here. Uh, the divisions, the jealousies, the competition. Let's, let's see the root of it all is, are you witnessing for the Savior? Are you advancing the gospel? It's really our source of comfort, joy, and hope. Oh, that's so helpful to hear. When, you know, I'm looking on at these verses around 18 to 26. You know, I think of this as a singing letter. It's, I mean, you sang a moment ago uh, in our first program, rather. And, uh, you know, we, it sings, this letter. And then it's also like a winding river. As Paul, in those verses about, you know, I would like to be with you to do ministry, but yeah, I want to be with Christ. So there's another bend in the river. There's another bend back. Well, actually, you know, it's a, it's a winding argument. And uh, as we look at this, what do we learn about real hope and joy mm. as we look on the verses oh, 18 to 26 to me to live is Christ and mm. all of that in the winding river. Well once again Paul seems to be focused entirely on encouraging and exhorting others. I identify with him where he says I am torn between the two. Mm. I realize it's good to be here but I so long to depart to be with Christ. That's verse 23. Yeah, and then torn. he adds yet it is more necessary for you that mm. I remain. I cannot begin to tell you, Richard, how much comfort and encouragement I draw from that particular verse. Because there's so many times I think, Lord Jesus, I am so tired of being a quadriplegic. Could yeah. you please not take me home soon? But then I realize that my life might be an encouragement to Paul or to yeah. others. And that my example and my perseverance and my hanging tough and holding on to God's mm. grace mm. for dear life might inspire him in the midst of his conflicts mm. and trials. So I identify with Paul where he says, it is better for you that I remain and not go to be with the Lord too soon because I can be a source of encouragement and inspiration and comfort to you. Once again, Paul is looking out for others not himself and his own desires, and he's looking out for how that will serve to, to build and edify others up in the faith and advance the gospel through them. What a guy. <laughs> oh, and I love that verse 21, you know, about to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. One thinks of the 18th century stern critic of established Christianity, Voltaire, who once said in a, well, he wrote in a series of letters to a, a woman acquaintance three times in that letter, he said, I, I dread death and I hate life. And we don't think like it at all. And Paul helps us to understand why that should be. In fact, I, I like the way in which he goes on to say, I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy and faith, so that through my being with you again, as you were saying, Johnny, uh, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me, mm. the fact that he's there. He's going to be a source of joy. You know, when I hear you talk about that verse, I think about the president of Johnny and Friends, Doug Mazza. He has a son who has Cruzon syndrome, who is deaf and uh, blind and mentally handicapped. And some might look at that young man's life and think he, he's not doing anything. There's no meaning or no purpose. But that young man is a source of inspiration for his father, who then leads our ministry in advancing Christ's gospel among disabled people around the world. And this last part of this verse indicates and underscores that if people around the world come to Jesus Christ, it's going to all go back to young Ryan Mazza with his Cruzon syndrome and his severe disability. It will all accrue to his account. And, and, and I love that, that there's a life that's not wasted or purposeless. 
there is a life that is a source of inspiration for others to carry forth the gospel. And if they reap any benefit or fruit for their labors, it will be accrued to this individual's account who doesn't have a chance to go out there and, and beat the bushes for the gospel, but who nonetheless is a source of inspiration and joy. That's how generous our God is gonna mm. be on the day of, 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 uh, of rewards and glorification. Oh, Johnny, such inspiration. And what strength has come out of that story mm. and out of this whole letter as well. Paul, I'm thinking about the English translations. Sometimes, am I right that they haven't always, all the, more, all the modern translations got 25 and, uh, no, 27 and 28 right. Would you just I, like to explain that a little bit? It's yeah. true. It's verse, verse 27, really, and into verse 28, is a kind of little summary of the whole letter. He sets down uh, what, it, what it really an outline of everything that's going to follow. But he begins by, he says in my translation here, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner, manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Now, that's great, but there's actually a little treasure hidden there because in the, in the Greek, he says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves as a citizen of the gospel That's of Christ. Better. And it's that citizenship point again. Do you remember in Acts 16, for them, they were, oh, the most important thing in Philippi was being a citizen, a Roman citizen. And Paul sets the agenda here for the whole letter, and he says, you need to be citizens, but of the gospel of Christ. That's your citizenship. And I'm going to tell you what it looks like to be a citizen of Christ's kingdom, and that's far more important than all these other kinds of citizenship. Yeah, so you and I are citizens of London, but actually there's something much better. Yeah. In fact, the Roman Empire, uh, Pliny, who wrote at the time of the Roman Empire, said about Philippi, it is in the bosom of our empire. He was, they were proud of it too, yeah. but there's something to be still more privileged about. Yeah. The kingdom, the city, and the citizenship. That yeah, the, the Philippians, they would say, we're looking to Caesar at Rome. And he said, no, look to Jesus in heaven. Like yeah. That. yeah, Paul, so you and I are citizens of London, but actually there's a citizenship that's much higher still. And I think people who are participating in this program could share that thought with themselves too, wherever they are. In fact, when we think of that city of God, of which we are part, we should never write it off. There was a sports axiom here in California years ago, you know, never bet against Notre Dame, New York Yankees, or Ted Schroeder in the fifth set. He was a great tennis player in California. Well, we would say, say never write off the kingdom of God and the city of God, because mm. that is the enduring thing that's going to go on forever, yep. which is what, of course, possesses the mindset of Paul the Apostle here. Johnny, you know, the average person, you know, thinks that the best life for them is one of, we've got it easy, you know, and uh, not too many problems, not too many hassles in life, a bit of comfort if possible. But in verse 29 and 30, Paul seems to show us a better way, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hearing I still have. It's been granted to you. Wow. He sees that something is very positive. Wow, it's been granted, it's been given, it's a gift for you to suffer, now, there are a lot of people who would say, I don't want that gift, take it back, please. But then we read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, to this we, you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you and an example that you should follow in his steps. You know, God shares his joy on his terms. And those terms call for us to, in some way, suffer as did his son. 
And, and joy is always connected with suffering, whether it is uh, Jesus carrying his own cross for the joy that was set before him, or uh, rejoice in suffering as we read in Romans chapter five, or in Nehemiah 8:10, the joy of the Lord is my strength, implying that you begin at a point of weakness. Always and always, God opens up the floodgates of heaven to, to flood our hearts with his joy when we come to him out of desperate need. And when is that? When we suffer, when we feel the crunch and the pinch. So it has been given to us to suffer. Why? Because this is our passport to joy. There's no way that we're going to experience that boundless happiness come from heaven were it not for affliction, right? So we Paul? have to really encourage our younger believers with this, that when the tough times come, actually it's normal. Part of Christian, it's part of Christian what they call spirituality, by which I mean simply how to grow in the Christian life. But I've read numbers of books on spirituality. I cannot think of a single one in which suffering plays a key part. Wow. It is axiomatic. It is really it's part and parcel, really, of Christian discipleship. Mm. So I think we have to take that on board very firmly as we teach our younger believers in the Christian life, you know, that expect it and be ready for it. Don't seek for it, of course, but when it comes, no, it's perfectly normal and it's going to happen. You know, my last thought as we're finishing off now is that here we've got two great survivors. Uh, and they've both been in accidents. Did you know that? Paul Blackham, he was in a road accident when he was age seven and he was taken to the hospital and pronounced dead. In fact, he's still got the scar there on the side of his head to prove it. And uh, he was dead for, it seemed like an hour. And the, the one doctor said, let me see if I can get him back. And he got him back. And for a purpose, Paul, here you are as one of ministers of Christ in this world. I'm so glad he did not depart to go be with Christ, but it was better for me and the rest of us <laughs> that he remain, right? <laughs> exactly. And then you, dear Johnny, mm. with that accident in uh, Chesapeake Bay at the age of 17, and uh, you know, one could have said, well, that's roughly the end of any kind of, you know, usefulness for, for Johnny Erickson Tada. No, God had something special for you to do mm -hmm. in this world. And it's touched not just thousands, it has actually touched millions. Mm -hmm. I'm glad. I feel humbled <laughs> to the dust that you both survived. And I think we all feel humbled, and those of us who are participating. What are you doing with the precious gift of life that God has done for you, and given for you? You may be in prison yourself, there's a life there. God has given it to us. Let's use it for him as best we can. Wow.